I really wish I could help, but I just... I don't remember any of it. What about the cuts on your arms? Those cuts are more than one day old. Yeah, definitely. You're right about that, sir. They look like they might be self-inflicted. But why would I do something like that to myself? Unless, of course, I wasn't myself. But... If I'm not me, then who am I? Welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. No updates to the intro for 2020, so hopefully you still like it because it's going to happen all year now. This is the first episode of 2020, so to kick off the decade, I thought there was only one way to do it, which was to bring back Adam Kochi to the show, who was in uh, episode 21, is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Uh, now that you've introduced me, I can actually, I suppose I can talk now. Look, firstly, uh, I should have said this before, but uh, happy, I nearly said Merry New Year. What's going on? I'm a bit rusty too. <laughs> um, well, that's my excuse. That's my pat pro forma excuse. Every time I get in front of a recording device, actually, it's I'm, I'm rusty because I only put a, an episode out every, I don't know, six months or something. Yeah, you spend most of your time editing rather um, than recording, right? Yeah. Well, recording yes. a lot too, though, probably. Yeah, um, I do record... Uh, a lot more than I release. Well, yeah. when I say a lot more, that's it's a good it's a good chunk more, but a lot has to be cut out for various reasons. Yeah, usually qualitative rather than uh, content based. <laughs> you should but, say your podcast's name. Why don't you say it? Well, I was going to in the intro, <laughs> but um, you're you're sort of you've got the floor now. Okay, so. my name is Adam Kochi, and I'm the host of a little known and much benighted podcast called Podcaster Non Grata. I'm going to Find put it, the sound effect in for the 50. 50 okay, cent word do that. There. Do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send it to me. Uh, yeah. Niche, yes. Uh, eclectic, yes. Uh, well produced, fairly. Yes, very but well produced. Sometimes I'm even funny. Yes. Sometimes. Most of the time. <laughs> no, you're too kind. Sometimes it's deliberate. Sometimes it is <laughs> deliberate. And sometimes I do a thing. Well, I, I just smack my lips. <laughs> But sometimes I do a thing where, uh, and this is the point of what we're talking about today, I guess, mm. is I do characters. Yeah. So, wow. Did I find a way go. to bring that you round segued, to the topic? You segued to the it's topic. It's like I've been doing this for six years. So um, Adam and I just watched a quick video to try and introduce the topic. But the if you remember episode 21, and why wouldn't you? If you haven't listened to it, you probably should just go back immediately and listen to it now. What we talked about on, on that episode was doing characters and the function of that in our psychology, because uh, I do characters as well on a YouTube channel, um, and how that kind of is a way in some ways to hide, I guess, or to be able to say things that you couldn't say in your own voice, and how the ultimate goal is really probably to find your own voice, isn't it? To be more like yourself in your public persona, which is something that, you know, I pursue that on this podcast. This podcast is supposed to be me being myself. And even sometimes when I listen back to it, I hear the fakeness creeping back in. You know, you hear 
some pretension or something that comes in or a way of talking that sounds condescending even to your own ears and you go, no, I've slipped back into some other voice. And, you know, the complexity of all of that that goes on in your head, what it means to portray characters or use a different voice um, is very pertinent to what we're going to talk about in this episode as well. How much do you find that you're, even with this supposedly pretty real podcast, how much do you find that you're slipping into uh, a projection or a character or something? Because uh, even with my podcast, and I hate talking about myself, but that's why I'm here. Even when I'm not playing a character or doing a sketch or, or whatever, I find that there is a slight tweaking of the persona. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, I like to think I'm pretty true to who I am uh, when I'm just generally speaking into a recording device, even now. But mm. I'm well aware that I'm slightly just, oh, look, it's even in my voice because mm. my ears are tuned to it. I'm modulating and mm. I'm, I'm doing something. Well, you're doing it for the benefit of an audience, right? So in a sense, you should speak more clearly. You should inflect more and be more interesting. It's like uh, if you compared your internal thoughts to when you're having a conversation, the conversation should be different from your internal voice. Your internal voice can be quite boring. To you. I mean, it's... Mine is. Yeah, I mean, mine's mine. Mine sounds like uh, Elliot Goblet or something. <laughs> probably, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I don't know if my internal voice—that's an interesting question. I don't know if my internal voice actually sounds anything like my real voice. I wouldn't want it to because it would annoy me. I think. No, I I can't honestly say that if we were to do a podcast, absolutely verite, absolutely just as we would normally talk, we couldn't do it. And, and mm. even if we could, and we wouldn't want to kill each other for how boring we sound, that. No one would want to listen to it. No one would want to listen to, and I know this is someone who's listened to, to his own voice rather a lot uh, in editing, that I wouldn't want to hear my own internal monologue for 45 minutes. No. Well, it's a subtle thing, and that's, that's sort of the topic, isn't it? That, that this idea that you're either a character or you're, you're yourself, I think the concept of self is quite a pliable thing. And I think the, the, the concept of self is something that we like to think is this monolithic, this is the true me. Yeah, how many times do you hear people say, I'm just trying to find my true self? Yeah. I don't think there's, I look, honestly, at the risk of sounding overly philosophical straight out the gate, I don't think there's such a thing. No, I don't think so either. And, and that video, that's why I showed you that video, is uh, kind of like another angle on that idea. I remember reading an interview with Beyonce and her talking about this Sasha Fierce character. Yeah. And that's one of the first times I heard someone really admit it yeah. on her level that wasn't like a, a, a hip hop rapper that yeah. had an alter ego. Then for all my favorite hip hop guys, like Ice-T, I was a big fan of mm -hmm. Ice Cube. They all had these names that I'm guessing were also alter egos. And yeah. I had David Goggins in here, who's got his alter ego, which Goggins. is creatively named Goggins, Goggins. Yeah. right? Yeah. And for him, you know, most people don't understand Dave, you know, was this kind of out of shape, um, dejected, you know, yeah. self-described loser of a fat man. Yeah. And when he turned into Goggins, that allowed him to channel into these bigger things. Yeah. And you worked your whole life one-on-one -on -one with all of these athletes and top level people. So maybe you can explain why this is not only just an interesting concept, but it's a crucial concept, right? Yeah, yeah, we do this naturally as young children. We play around with, you know, what can I do if I jump off of the sofa as Superman or Batman? How far can I go? Um, and 
or we're in our front driveway and we're bouncing the ball or we're playing on a sport in a park. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, and kids do this. They say, okay, well, who are you going to be? I'm going to, I'm going to be Wayne Gretzky or I'm going to be Michael Jordan or like whatever the sport is, or I'll be Lionel Messi and you be Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, and it's because we go to that place in our head of what could I do if, if I wasn't whatever you perceive yourself as right now, because we all have this sometimes destructive narrative on what we think that we can and cannot do. So I want to break this down from a scientific perspective for people too, because a big part of the pursuit of my company is that we always back things up with scientific research, not just experience and anecdote. Right. And this is what makes you different. Practical experience and scientific research. Yeah. So why do children do this so well, specifically between the ages of one and seven? Hmm. The reason that they do it so well is because they're um, uh, working in what's called the theta brainwave state which is the creative imagination state. So there's four levels. There's delta, theta, alpha, and beta. Beta is like someone that could be watching us right now and they're like sort of judging and reasoning, trying to come to terms, okay, well, what's this guy saying and stuff? And we do this, we judge and we reason. That's the beta kind of like, and then when we get into real focus, that's typically alpha brainwave state when you're kind of starting to get real focus. You're not in flow state. Right. You're, in, you're really focused on something. Theta is the flow state and the zone state where literally that's where all of your capabilities start flowing out of you. The idea that uh, using alter egos, if you want to be simplistic about it, is a, just a, a form of coping with, well, coping? No, that's probably not the right choice of words, but using it very cognitively and very, pres- hopefully precisely and deliberately to deal with uh, learning and yes. d- and deal with the world. The way I look at it, and, and it, it bears out a lot more in that, the longer yeah. version of the interview, uh, basically he's advocating a form of training, um, mainly to sports athletes, um, very you know, high-level athletes, uh, using the concept of alter egos to reach states of high performance. So it's, it's not just you know, dealing with life or anything like that, which I think you know, we probably discussed in the last one. That's what we were doing mm. in, in using our characters. What he's saying is, Instead of thinking of play acting and alter egos and invisible friends and things as childish, he's advocating using them as tools to reach states of high performance. And he uses examples that we've used uh, in conspiracy theory stuff when we discuss uh, MK Ultra and things like mm-hmm. that, you know, and the possibility of these mind controlled celebrities and stuff, that um, juicy conspiracy theory that I love to talk love about. Um, but he uses the example of Sasha Fierce and um, Beyonce. And she quite openly has an alter ego that she becomes when she goes on stage. And his point is that she's created that so that she can do the things on stage that her core persona is unable to do. It's basically what she says as well. That's what she's doing. And a lot of conspiracy theorists take that and go, oh, she's monarch mind controlled and stuff. Well, okay, if that exists, that might be the case. It's still actually, no matter what, it's the same mechanism one way or another though, isn't it? I mean whether you believe in the conspiracy theory or not, she's telling you she's doing it. And this guy, Todd Herman, is saying not only do people um, do this naturally when they're children, but that they should try to maintain that skill as an adult to be able to reach states of high performance and, and focus. If I can use a really simple analogy, it's just finding a different, because what's from what I gleaned from that very short clip that we watched, is to use it as a different tool to access a different functionality of the brain. So there's a there's a section of the interview where um, where he actually goes through his own alter 
personas. And it's quite interesting because he's also a victim of uh, childhood abuse, right? So his ability to do this, once again, backs up this idea that, you know, the, the MK Ultra idea that the childhood abuse uh, causes your ability to dissociate and create alter egos. Um, he just mentions it like as if they're not linked though, but he knows enough to mention that it, that it happens. So it's kind of a weird thing. I'm doing this because I want to bring the best of me out there. You know, I've battled depression all of my entire life. I had a very traumatic experience, a sexual assault that happened to me when I was 12. So I was at this uh, camp and I kind of got singled out by these uh, two men. And then over the course of a couple of days was uh, sexually abused and assaulted. And I, uh, and I just remember through the experience, just wishing that my dad would come through the door. I don't care if people would judge me because of that. I'm proud of the fact that I did a lot of things, despite the fact that those things tried to get in my way. And that's also why I got into the world of mental game stuff, because I needed it for me. When you start to take control of how you want to be showing up, the results that you get can be extraordinary. I pretended to be somebody I wanted to be, and I finally became that person, or he became me. But at some point, we met. I think we all do that in some respect. We just aren't fully cognitive and aware that we're doing it. I know that like he's very deliberately engaging into, I tried to read, uh, I didn't get very far with that because it's, it's heavy handed. I tried to read um, Edward de Bono's six thinking hats. I don't know if you've ever read it. I think I heard about it and in, it's, in university. In but... many ways, it's a similar idea, just switching between different modes of thinking. And this isn't that far from that, from what I can tell, but he's very deliberately, again, I use the word deliberately, and, I, and I'm using it deliberately, but going between personas in his own uh, psyche to access, you know, as you said, I'm the confident business guy now, and I'm the, you know, insert name of character trait here. Yeah. We all do that. We're just not aware that we're doing it. And I recently uh, switched jobs about six, seven months ago. Mm. And I find that well, they're very different jobs now. I work in, as you know, I work in customer service now, whereas before I was doing something different. And I had to make an amazing switch mm. in, you know, very, very instantaneously because I, before I was doing a factory, I was a factory work and I was producing things mm. and it's a very different mindset. Now going between two jobs like that, it is Firstly, you've got to get over the culture shock of it. Yeah. Uh, but then I realized at least that before I did my previous job, I'd worked in, say, retail. So I'd had some sort of uh, customer service background. Right. But I find that as I'm talking now, I won't, when I'm on the phone to somebody, I'm, as soon as I answer that phone and say, good morning, you know, insert name of company here, this is Adam, mm. I'm immediately engaged in that mode. That triggers you into a, a, I mean, I don't want to call it an alter ego because it's probably not quite as cut and dry as that. I think it's, it's it's a a form of it. I I Mm. know that I'm, I'm now all all I'm doing is engaging in a a behavior because I'm talking to someone on the phone, Mm. but I know that as soon as I do that, I pick up that phone and I press that button and I say that I'm suddenly I'm customer service guy. And it's not a million miles removed from what Todd Herman, I remember his name. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> is doing, he's accessing something. Mm. Okay. But when we were speaking before, before we turned the mics on, we were having a quite lengthy conversation mm. and I was just being 
sitting at a table drinking coffee, Adam. Mm. And we were talking about all the things we were talking about before. Mm. Now that we've turned the mics on, what's happened? Yeah, I've engaged another gear and I've, for better or worse, I'm trying to get my ideas out in a certain way because people are listening now. Well, just reading the intro is probably the trigger for me to sort of, <laughs> I start using a much more deliberate voice and I try to enunciate better. And I think more about what I'm saying. I think, you know, when we're just chatting over coffee, I'm just in the moment mm. saying what I think, just transcribing my thoughts. And we, we said some reprehensible things. And we said too. some pretty, pretty reprehensible <laughs> things that we won't repeat. But, um, but honest, that's the important thing. The search for truth, Adam, it's a, it's a messy business. What I'm ham-fistedly, the point I'm trying to make is that we are consciously doing that. Yeah. When I'm at work, I'm this guy now, and I've been doing this guy thing for six months. Yeah. As soon as I leave that place, I'm something different. Yeah. As soon as I turn on my uh, recorder, I'm something different again. Even though a key selling point, as it were, of my podcast is that I try to be as me as I can. Unless you're doing a character. Unless I'm doing a character. Yeah. But I'm even as I'm trying to be me, there is a projection. It's, it's a, oh, look, if you want to be really picky about it, it is a character. It actually has to be because it's an unnatural environment to do social interaction, mm. right? I mean, even this conversation, which is pretty close to, you know, it's, I've set it up deliberately so it's close to just having a normal conversation. We've still got the mics and the headphones. We can hear our voices in the headphones. Yeah. Um, I actually really like that. I wish I could live like this full time. I would prefer honestly. it. Honestly. Yeah. I, I think, well, I prefer the sound of my voice in a microphone than I do in my head. So um, there's that, but it's kind of fun. It, it's, it's like a heightened reality. But I'm the, at the same time, I'm the opposite because I hear my voice so much that I'm well and truly sick of my voice. That's why I, I think that's maybe why. That's why you're working in customer service now. <laughs> so you don't have to hear your voice so much. But I do have to hear my voice <laughs> all the time. Yes, it's not the right career path for someone who doesn't Look, like the sound of their voice. <laughs> well, you know, you know what? Um, I've said this before and I hope nobody from my company is listening to this. But I'll, uh, I'll block them on the IP address. Just give me all their IP addresses. <laughs> it can be done, but, don't worry. You know, if I got fired tomorrow, I, it would allow me to uh, do some other things maybe. I'm always thinking about quitting no matter what I do. <laughs> yeah. So how deliberate was your application of a persona in the customer service role when you, when you switched? I'd like to think it wasn't deliberate, but in actual fact, it's got to be because you do, as soon as you, we, you're dealing with someone else, even over the phone. In fact, over the phone, it's actually, um, it's actually more necessary mm. because all you've got is your voice, just like a podcast. Mm. You have to get everything across that you can with just your voice. Yeah. Or uh, sound effects and or, stuff. As well. well, no, I don't have if the you can be luxury doing of sound the editing later. If you, I don't have the luxury. If I, if oh, I would that I had a soundboard with sound effects while I'm talking to a customer, because that, yeah. that'd be a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> I can't do it. No, I can't do it. What was that? Car just drove past. Don't worry about it. <laughs> if only. Oh, wow. Uh, it's uh, also the fact that I use, um, I, I suppose I use in a way, because I don't know a hell of a lot about my job right now. Mm. And I'm quite happy admitting that on a recorded medium. So mm. a lot of the time I have to stall. Mm. So I have to speak and I have to say something, hopefully amusing or at least pithy or at least engaging. How about that heat? <laughs> the amount of times I've had to do something like that is too many to count already. Once I'm a lot better at my job, assuming I don't get fired for being useless. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's, is it a joke? Is it not? Who knows? He said. 
<laughs> Certainly no one listening unless it happens to be your, your colleagues. Yeah. But yeah, you have to uh, stall a lot. Yeah. Because someone wants an answer and they want it hopefully quickly, but I can't give them an answer quickly because I have to usually flip through a price list or a manual or something. It's amazing the 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 weird sort of buy, uh, I was going to say buy coastal. As long as you say more than just buy. <laughs> Don't pause too heavily on yeah, the buy. You need to be more specific. Look, the, the cliche is that um, multitasking is a, a thing that men can't do. I don't know how much you agree with that. I don't think women can do it either. I don't think anyone can really do no. it. I know you've said before, and my experience has borne this out. Mm. You can do 10 things at one time. Mm. But you can only do one of those things at a time. Yeah, in a moment. And in fact, the, the amount of time it will take you to do that one task of 10 that you're trying to simultaneously work on doesn't take 10 times as long. Mm. It can take a lot longer than the a tenth, you know, a, a factor of 10. How does mm. that work? Because there's a changeover cost. Yeah, that's right. I'm finding I'm spending a lot of time changing over between tasks and it's mm. really, really. I sent my bosses an email about task switching and, the, you know, a little bit of the science of it because there are scientific studies based on, you know, task switching. If you're doing 10 things, 10 small tasks, as opposed to one task that should take the same amount of time, the switching has a cost. Mm. So, you know, I sent this to my bosses saying, you guys need to be aware of this yeah. when you're assigning tasks to people. And I want you to also understand that task switching is the thing that I'm the worst at. Yeah. Well, I can get very heavily focused on one thing for four hours, but I can't get heavily focused on one thing for four minutes and yeah. then another thing yeah. for another four minutes. It's just not the way my brain works. I don't know if anyone's good at it. Honestly, I don't. I think people are better at it than me, but I don't think anyone's great at it. No, I, I don't think it's possible, but no. I don't. Again, is that me being negative? Who knows? But I've, what's that got to do with anything we're talking about? Well, strangely enough, maybe it does have a connection. Well, task switching is, in a way, persona switching. I think it's really analogous because if I'm going to do a task that requires um, social interaction, I don't just switch tasks. I switch the persona as well. And I think that's that's where it comes in. It's like that switching, it has a cost and it takes an effort. You know, I was just, sorry, I'm listening to what you're saying. I was just so proud of how I sort of, I saw us going away from the, in. yeah, yeah, it was good. It's like I've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> from my previous appearance on this uh, Steam podcast, I, look, I've listened to it a couple of times and what I didn't like is when I seemed to veer off topic mm. and we almost got to the point where we were in a conversational cul-de-sac. Yeah. Now, that's not any uh, slight on your ability. That's a, that's probably my fault more than anything. No, I mean, but, I, I cut out a lot of yeah, I know. that kind of thing. And, and there was stuff that was completely off topic yeah. that was interesting in its own right. It was fun to talk it about. It was just not it wasn't pertinent to what we were talking about. Yeah. And I was aware of it. That was my, that was my point. See, yeah. I'm getting better at this. You were probably more aware of it than the average person. Yeah, well, I'll tell you a, an interesting fact, right? I recorded a song, a rap song with Rodders for the Popcorn Lobotomy channel once. And we were both rapping on it. And in the chorus, we were both kind of singing the chorus or rapping the chorus, right? Simultaneously. And it was really interesting. Rodders came to me and said, I think the mix is a bit off because when I listen to the chorus, my voice is way louder than yours. And I said, it's interesting you would say that, Rodders, because when I listen to the chorus, I can only hear myself. And he said, that's interesting, isn't it? But I think when you listen to your own voice, you're more aware of your own voice than you are of any yeah, other voices. Absolutely. You, you, you sort of zone in on it and completely focus on it. 
And I have no idea actually which voice is louder in the mix. It would be someone completely impartial to judge that. But it was uh, he was certain that his voice was louder than mine. And I was like, I can't even hear Yeah, you. no, there's a simple, I'm sure there's a simple sonic principle that would explain that beautifully. And uh, yeah. I can't really think of it right now, but it's just mm. got to do with our own ear. I, I suppose when you were saying that you heard all the flaws in, in the podcast, well, I, I didn't hear those flaws. No, because you weren't. I, I would have yeah. heard things that I hated about my voice, yeah. I'm sure. Oh. But yeah. Again, it goes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah. We're focused on our own element. Yeah. And that's yeah. not that's not necessarily narcissistic or self-serving or whatever. It's just we're naturally aware of what we're contributing. That's mm. why, look, last time, again, last time I was on this, I was so aware of what I was saying and how deliberate I was trying to be uh, that it really it really annoyed me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's something I do on my own podcast, which I still hate, but I, uh, I can, I've got a lot more editing power over it so I can... Right. I can manipulate it, which is nice. Well, you'll have to suffer through this one as that's well. Fu- look, that's fine. I'll, I, I'll listen to it. I won't be happy fully because I'm a, uh, something, uh, that's self-critical. Uh, yeah. Over look overly self-critical to a fault, mm. I guess. Um, because I'm so, uh, sonically aware. That sounds so something. It sounds, it doesn't sound right when I say it, but I'm after six years of doing my own podcast and the various side projects therein, I'm aware of sound and being mm. a musician of some stripe, mm. I'm aware of sound and I have to be. So do you like phone sex? <laughs> wow. What a, I was of all the questions you could have asked me. Um, <laughs> well, no, I, that's what, what, what I, I mean really wasn't prepared for. Someone who is sonically um, predisposed, whose primary sense is hearing as opposed to sight, which is most people's primary sense will be more attracted to phone sex than physical sex. I've, or maybe Japanese girls making little moaning sounds or whatever, but <laughs> well, it'll be sonically. Very ASMR sort of. Yeah, that, or ASMR, that kind yeah, of Yeah, look, I'm very, I'm more sonically aware of voice. And mm. the simple answer to your question is yes, but I haven't done it for 20 years. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Since my, my wife, before she no, that'd married be, me. that would be cheating. I wouldn't that, have meant to that either. No, no. That, but it's not like you've got a. I've uh, partaken. And I'm, oh God, I hope my parents never listen to this. I don't, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with no, phone sex. I know. It's just nothing, expensive. It's, it's a mug's game. But yes. It's, um, it's, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, does that even happen anymore? I don't know. I don't know. Do you I, think it'd be a thing? The only experience I have with phone sex is, um, I don't know if I should mention it, but. Well, um, be a little bit vague. It's it's a logical thing. That's why I ask you just straight out rather than leaning into the topic. Because it's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of obvious, like someone who's sonically um, motivated will, of course, prefer to hear a voice. I'm very susceptible to voice mm. as well. And I even went so far as to tell a story in vague detail on it might have been my last. Or, I think I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I deal on the phone a lot now. Yeah. And I'm susceptible to women's voices. Mm. Uh, and some of them, yeah, you're, you're probably going to want to cut this out. But You're working with a boner a lot of the yeah, time, right? Well, Is that what you're saying? I, well, Metaphorical. We'll Metaf- call it metaphor. Yeah. Metaphorical. Yes. I've been amazed how receptive I've been to a woman's, you know, an auditory sensation. Yeah. Thing. I'll be vague and technical. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lucky you. Well, Maybe you are, you are in look, the right path. You ask, path. you ask the question and I'm answering yeah, it as best no, I can. It's, it's fascinating to me. As I say, there's, you know, Rodders is very sonically orientated as well. So I've spoken to him about That's how I sort of have insights into it. Um, because uh, I shared a phone bill with him once. <laughs> and you know Ooh. what What happens? Actually, this might even come around. This might even be opposite again. With the connotation of the voice, mm. what happens? You imagine. Mm. And maybe maybe they're putting on a character as well. Did you ever think of that? Yeah. 
I think people do when they when they call customer and service. It's, it's usually the pissed off asshole, isn't it? I don't get that many pissed off assholes. Oh well, yeah, you're, because you're not in you're not in complaints, right? So well, it's a little it's a little the it's a mixed bag, put it that way. Right. So yeah, um, but yeah, the, the brain starts to wander off, and you wonder, well, what does the other person on the other end sound like or look like, or hmm. maybe they're how you know, wet are their lips? <laughs> that kind I'm, of thing. I'm glad you, you didn't <laughs> pause too heavily. <laughs> So I, I wanted to get back though, yeah, to well, the, the persona thing because because you did something recently that was very sort of a, an interesting persona thing, and I don't, I think it was quite deliberate too, which was your podcaster perfecta episode. You'd like to be in my shoes, wouldn't you now? Hello, Earth. Hello, Universe. And hello there to the ever-expanding legion of listeners. And welcome to the newest episode of the most popular podcast on the planet Earth for the 67th month in a row. Podcaster Perfecta. I'm your host, the Albanian rattlesnake, Aiden Kosh. And this week, I've got a show that's, well, it's truly worthy of the name of this podcast. And indeed, life in general. That is to say, Perfecta. Whether it's Podcaster or indeed La Vida, life itself. La Dolce Vita, can it be any sweeter? A big no is the answer there to that question. Because life, life is totally wonderful. At least mine is anyway, and that's all that matters. Let's see, I've got a top-rating podcast, as well as a regular great job with prospects at an amazing company where I pull down about a million a year. It's downright criminal. My house alone is bigger than a goddamn train station. You should see it. You should, but you won't. Because the laws of society do a good job in preventing just that. Anyway, your feeble brains would be... Well, they'd be unable to take in the scope of it. I mean, really. Just totally unable, you feeble-minded scum. Before we get on with the show... I'd like to congratulate my, well, my hot wife, Eliza, who is, of course, as you may know, an actor and internationally known sex kitten. She just won another two Oscars last week. Add them to the pile, I guess. So the concept of it was that you sort of imagined maybe an alternative universe where your podcast was, was incredibly successful and everything in your life was perfect and you were a confident radio voice podcast host with the and you uh, must have created a persona in your head to be able to do that character because that was you, but it was a more confident uh, version of yourself. It was an more... alternate version of me. It, it, was, it was so fun to play with too. It was fun. Mm. Firstly, it was fun to write. So there was that. It was fun to imagine. Mm. And as we were talking about before we turned the mics on, it was amazing because I'm, I'm very interested in the idea of alternate realities, which kind of paints me maybe is a little bit of a weirdo and i don't mind that if you want to think of me as well, a weirdo science Not agrees you. with you i'm happy if it does I, yeah. i'd love to imagine in fact i uh foreshadowed it by saying at some point that maybe there's a version of me somewhere that's really successful and that's sort of where the the mm. jumping off point was 
and what would it at least sound like or what would it be mm. like and what would it be like to play that? And mm. good Lord, it's amazing how fun it was. Because it's kind of a fantasy, right? It's, it's like watching uh, Terminator 2 and seeing, seeing um, Arnold Schwarzenegger go and shoot a guy in the, in the knee or something. And, you know, you, you don't have the freedom to do that. So all of that sort of escapism is essentially the fantasy that you're more free than you are. Doing that is actually you being more free. It's not watching a character do something you wish you could do or, you know, watching someone be heroic when you feel like you can't. You just got to do it. It was cathartic. Yeah. And it really was. And it, So there'll be a sequel then? There may be. I don't know. It's, a whole spin-off it's actually, Look, well, I nearly did that. Mm. I nearly did that, but that the undertaking is so mammoth that uh, I don't know how long I could do it and make it interesting. Is it a harder episode to do than your average episode? In terms of writing or? Yeah, and, and production. It was hard to write. Easy to produce because I basically did, well... I produced it in a way I didn't produce my norm, normal so-called podcast because I uh, I just basically turned it into a, I don't know, what, how would you describe it? I, I know what I'm trying to articulate. I sort of broke a few rules that I would right. normally do with my podcast because it's an alternate version. Yeah. So we need to have some rules because alternate version suggests maybe there's some commonality. Mm. So... Uh, the thing I wouldn't normally do, like act completely different. Okay. That's a given because it's an alternate version. And it was the, maybe not diametrically opposite. Wow. I'm throwing some big words in. Yeah. You'll have to I'm get, have to you maybe have to throw in the cash register after all. It costs me a lot of time in editing. I'll <laughs> I tell can you. do it for you if you like. It's really easy. <laughs> but the further away from my actual, whatever self that is, uh, there had to be some grounding. Right. So for example, uh, I don't know, using music. Mm. Okay. Well, the thing is, okay, it has to be a, there has to be a musical element maybe, but what I did was there's music throughout all of it, mm. except the, well, no, there's even music in the ads, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Okay. So what I wouldn't do in my own podcast while I'm talking as me. Okay. You don't have music. I yet. don't have a music, generally don't have music under it. Well, some segments I do. So I'm breaking my own rules again. But mm. when I'm telling a story just as me and I'm saying, okay, in the opening part of my normal episodes, again, that yeah, audio quotes, there'd be no music under me because I'm just catching you up on what I'm, I've been doing and why I haven't done an episode for two months or yeah, whatever. It always starts with you apologizing for the length of time between Yeah, episodes. because you've got to have a, there's a, that's a, uh, again, commonality. Yeah. And also because it takes me forever to put out an episode because I'm partially lazy, partially busy, yeah. partially taking a long time. I, to I write. try not to do that because I just figure no one cares if I do an episode well, or not. That's not true. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, I just figure it, it's not the most important thing in, in anybody okay. else's but life. It's, it's always going to be more important to the me. The thing than is, it be to it's else. become a regular feature, mm. so, uh, so to speak, of my podcast. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And I've even got a sting for it. Yeah. So, okay. Right. I have rules, remember? Yeah. So, in my normal podcast, yeah, no music under me. When I'm doing, say, a segment like uh, at Enjoy Cinema, which is my terrible reviews of movies, yeah, because I'm nowhere near, anywhere near good, as as good as anyone in this room at doing that. I like, I like how you kiss, kiss. You, you get self conscious in that moment, as if I'm some kind of movie reviewer. Well, <laughs> got any credibility? Okay, hang on. I wanted to say this before, but I'm going to say it now. So I've spent a lot of time, especially in the last few months, watching popcorn lobotomy videos. Oh, have you really? And I, I thought, thought you were doing twelve forty mostly. Uh, that's that's time consuming. There's what forty one episodes of that. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm at about episode twenty eight or something. Right. So I'm working my way through. 
1240. Mm. I'm, I've watched just about every popcorn lobotomy video, and I think we're going to talk about that because we're, we're talking about you. character. Well, that's that, where I put my character see, stuff. See, Orville's movie reviews, okay? Yeah. We're talking about a character now. See, I've brought it back. You know what? I didn't even invent that character. Didn't? No. Who, whose is that? That character was invented on another YouTube channel by a guy called Kalen Cavanaugh. And he invented that character and asked me to do the voice because he saw Popcorn Lobotomy. Okay. And he said, it'd be funny if it had an Australian accent. And I sent him three different samples of a voice and he picked one and I just recorded all of his things. So he's got like, I think I was in, I don't know, um, maybe 10 episodes of his stuff. It was a puppet at the time, a physical puppet. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Is that puppet anywhere that? Yeah, yeah. It's still online. I'll, oh. I'll send you the link. Okay. And, um, and then when he shut down his channel, I was like, That'll kill Orville. I love yeah. Orville. I don't want him to die. I like doing well, the you, voice. You've carried him on. He goes, you can do whatever you want with it. That's oh. your character. He actually says it in his final teary goodbye video. And he, he may listen to this too. So you Look know, at Kaylin, you keeping flames alive. Yeah, but I, I just thought he's, he created this character. And we had this plan for where it was going to go. There was a few hints in the story. And then he just got sick of doing his channel. And uh, he had aspirations beyond being a full-time YouTuber. And it started to get a little bit of notice. Oh, do I people, think he was a bit scared it would get successful and he was like, eh. Do people do that? What? Have aspirations beyond being YouTubers. Yeah, that's right. Got, I guess so. I've got very definite opinions on YouTubers, but that's not, uh, that's not a discussion for this time, I think. So. <laughs> anyway, Orville. Yeah. The Gwyneth Paltrow thing. Hmm. Good Lord. I laughed like a fucking drain. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a bit of a theme there with well, the Gwyneth Paltrow But stuff. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Not, can you put any aside, aside any opinions we have of Gwyneth Paltrow? Hmm. Just that. The way he mercilessly just hounded her and <laughs> yeah. it's it's a delight. There's that actually a, a there's a story going on there as well, which will actually lead up to a finale. Orville's gonna be involved very heavily in in the ending of what I'm calling I think it's phase two or three. <laughs> phase three, I think now is okay. pop on the bottom. And then the whole channel will change again. It'll Are you gonna rebrand? No, no, it'll stay popcorn lobotomy, but it just goes to a new chapter, and and all of the show formats will change. You know? Okay, so what, Reginald Vanderstock? Uh, Reginald, I think I'll keep him. Um, you can't not. He may he may die at the end of well, he's old. the thing. I, I don't know. Like all of the characters could potentially be killed off, or okay. something could happen. But if assuming he survives, I think I could keep him. We'll <laughs> I see. mean, he's going to die eventually. He's ancient. He's old. Yeah, okay. but he is a cartoon character, so yeah. But- he will, by virtue of that, he could live forever, really. I mean, yeah, yeah, he could. But all those, see, this is why we're talking, again, we're talking about character. So mm. this is why I thought it pertinent to bring up the way you've interplayed the Reginald and, uh, at, well, Orville's the kind of side thing. Yeah. But uh, Trenton Vanderclick. Yeah. That's his name. Trenton. Yeah. Is it Trenton or Trenton? <laughs> it's Trenton. It's Trenton. <laughs> As in Trenton that's without even, the G. That's yeah. even better. Yeah. See, that the way you've written. done that sort of storyline, that's what I've tried to do at some points and tr- tried to get a sort of, not a great example, but a, uh, a universe happening. Yeah. So, all right, let's, I sort of, I suppose I've uh, bounced this back to you. When it comes to characters, we, I can't believe this is a hack question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Which do you think is more like you? And well, don't take don't take that cop out of saying, "Oh, they're all me in some way," because I no, that's no, well, what of I course would they say. are. But I mean, Orville's really just the sort of innocent, childlike version of me. It's it's basically my my voice, 
but having said that, when I listen to the voice that I do when I'm doing Orville, I can hear the diff. I don't hear myself. I hear my voice doing a different. It does sound different to me. I'm not sure exactly how. You don't electronically treat it, or you just no, no. I mean, there's there's EQ. So I, you know, I think I make the the mids a little bit yeah. louder. I, I kind of accentuated the more annoying parts of my voice that I normally try yeah. to minimize. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have a, an EQ preset that I apply to that. Um, and I use a different microphone for Orville, I think. Okay. I think I use the, I haven't done it for a while, but I think I've always See, this, used the See, this one. fascinates me. I don't know how much anybody listening is going to be enthralled by it, but from a technical standpoint, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's. Oh, I'm glad you like it. I, I didn't even know you were watching <laughs> oh, it. Was, no, I've, I've watched just about everything. Okay. In the oh, last cool. some months. Well, you're one it's of the not, few who will actually understand the ending when it but comes. But it's, um, I don't recommend if, look, if anybody's listening to this, go and seek out popcorn lobotomy uh, if you haven't already, because if you haven't already, uh, shame on you. But the thing is like someone who listens to this would like your podcast, but someone who listens to this wouldn't necessarily like popcorn lobotomy. So, you know, it's a very different thing. It's a different, uh, purpose, reason for being whatever, you know? So I don't, you know, I mention it as some, something that I do creatively because it takes up a lot of my time, but that's, I'm not expecting anyone who would listen to narratively speaking would necessarily get much out of it. There's a lot of, it's a lot more sweary. Yeah. It's a, it's a diff- <laughs> I know it's a different beast, but I mean, just yeah. from a, just from a, just from an interesting standpoint, because I'd never really watched any before the last time I was on this podcast. No, you hadn't I'd seen watched any, maybe yeah. one video and I, uh, it probably wasn't the best place to start. So what I did then was go back because I'm a completist or a completionist to yeah. use whatever word you want. No, it's completionist now. It is. It's my word. I called Oxford. I'm <laughs> We did it really quick. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it doesn't take as long as you might think. But then I went back. That's what I, and that's also the reason I went and um, started the, uh, you know, the 1240 just because mm. I, I picked it up in a weird place and I don't recommend that. It's like my podcast. Mm. There's a, there's kind of a through line. So yeah. what I do go back stuff. Yeah. You, beginning you, and, if you start with the most recent episode, you don't understand all the conventions no, that are no. going on and some of the running gags. You get them pretty quickly though. A few episodes well, in, you start yeah. to pop them onto But it. I, I do have callbacks to things that happened years ago. And well, your problem is you don't have your complete podcast online, which I've been trying to help you with. We well, maybe we, maybe we, we should. Finish. Yeah. Well, when we turn this off, maybe we'll do. Yeah. I forgot, but we should be, yeah, we should discuss that. So, yeah. But the, um, the thought that I had before when we were talking about Orville is there's a part of me that misses doing that voice. That's a weird thing when you think about it, that there's a, there's a persona. And when Kalen decided to end his channel, and there were going to be no more Orville videos. I, it wasn't that I wanted necessarily to keep the character alive. I wanted to continue being that character. Like I enjoyed being that character. It fulfills a need. Yeah, but why? We've brought what it back is around. It, it allows. Okay, it's a pretty basic principle, but I'll sum it up thusly. All right. It's the it's the it's the thrust of what we're getting at. But we've sort of danced around it. Mm. When we take on any character, and I'm not, I don't consider myself particularly adroit or adept at playing a particular character, mm. not even myself. Mm. In fact, myself is the, probably the worst. bit underdeveloped, I find, yeah. <laughs> and shallow. And, uh, but it, it, al- it allows us. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, I think. I, I know. Anyway, we, we're diverting. But it allows us, it just allows us, it goes back to what we were talking about before. It mm. allows us to pick a different aspect of our psyche or different functionality of the brain, even manip- you know, uh, affecting a voice. Mm. It, it, it taps into something mm. and I, I can't satisfactorily explain what it is, which is 
shame because I think that's probably what I'm here to do. I'm not sure, but it, it accesses something mm. when I do, uh, okay, we'll take, uh, no, we'll take Aiden Kosh as an example in podcast of perfecter. He's basically the diametric opposite of me. Again, mm. that word, I love it. Get the cash register. I'll send you the cash <laughs> register effect I used, but, um, it allows me to just act in a way, you know, boorish and overconfident and, uh, maybe smug or use whatever adjective you want or you're allowed to. It just allows me to play around. It's a, it's mm. a sandpit. Yeah. And it just allows me to behave in a way that I couldn't really get it. Well, I could, I could probably get away with it, mm, but good. I'd, but the thing I'd get is, in fights. The, the reason that podcast is successful is not because the podcast uh, su- that you're creating. <laughs> successful is the, the really inaccurate well, word, but all right. I saw nothing but compliments for it. So, you know. I, and, Effective and, is probably a better word. Well, let's just talk about my experience. The okay. reason I loved it so much was not because if that podcast really existed and that character was saying those things, I would listen to that podcast. It was the fantasy of it. And so knowing that it wasn't really a real podcast and that it wasn't really you playing yourself was what made it humorous, right? If there was a guy who all he did was just get on the microphone, use a deep voice and talk about how cool he is and stuff, then it'd be highly unlistenable. No one would listen yeah. to it. He wouldn't actually end up being successful. That's sort of part of the, the joke. That's as it the were. joke. Yeah. But that's what I mean. The fact that you were hamming it up is what makes it entertaining. Right. So, so it, it full, look, I don't want to falsely put any interpretation onto you. Okay. Your interpretation is your own. It's firstly, it's based on something. It's actually mm-hmm. based on a real person. Okay. Or, or at least the gestalt of a couple of people. You want to say who? No. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's someone in your life or someone? No, no, someone, it's, it's a, a, it's a, a, it's a podcast, podcast that I still, no, that I don't listen to anymore. Right. But is on, uh, okay, I'll be vague. Mm. Uh, who runs you, a network. You're doing well at that. Who runs, I'm, good, I'm good at vagary. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm good at. Who runs a network okay. of fairly successful podcasts. And I'll, mm. I don't really want to talk about networks. I've, I've had uh, dealings with networks before. That's another, that's another issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I get emails all the time it's a, from networks, <laughs> offers, and stuff. just turn them down. You know, I want to stay independent. Yeah, it's the best way to be. Yeah. <clears throat> what do I always say? It's easy to not to sell out when no one's offering to exactly. buy. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. No, so. I don't want your front page <laughs> luminary. Thank you for the offer, though. Luminary is a good idea, but uh, no, it's not. It's a terrible yeah. idea. It's so it's sort of a gestalt of a couple of. It's basically an alpha male type, but mm. it's it is based on at least one person. Yeah. I'm going to be vague. So I mean, I'm you could vague. talk about like someone like Tony Robbins or someone, right? Who's probably not going to hear it. So we don't need to worry about what he thinks about it, but I might email him this episode. Tony Robbins is actually quite cool, right? Like he's, he's, he comes across as a really good guy. He gives decent advice and whatever, but he is that sort of alpha yeah. no. square jaw, deep voice, talks with a hundred percent confidence all the time, knows everything kind of guy. So yeah, there are, there are podcasters out there. That oh, like there are. That. Yeah. <laughs> and they are. Uh... Yeah. But you can't not be down to earth at the same time you've got a all of the ones that are successful i think they find that balance like um you know joe rogan's alpha male for sure he kicked my ass in a fight he's got the deep voice going but there's something about him that's relatable as well it's still a little grounded and he's not really an inspiration no no i'm just using examples that won't get offended yeah (laughs) yeah. that type but not grounded in any sort of humility or reality that's and that like i said there's loads of them. Mm. I, I think we need to talk a little conspiratorial in, in the last bit of the, oh. in the last segment of, of the podcast. Already? I, I want to know what 
parts of these conspiracy theories you genuinely believe are happening because that's the thing that always i know all the conspiracy theories all right or a lot of them i've done a lot of research i know 9-11 was an inside job i know all of these things but wait what not <laughs> oh my god you don't believe you? the story is told <laughs> i'm not saying i believe it or i don't believe it one thing that i think uh i'm i'm relatively good at is understanding an argument without making a decision about what which side i come down on and it frustrates people because i'll present the alternative side of an argument that I don't necessarily believe in, but just asking questions because I'm curious and that's, they'll think I'm arguing. That's that's a bad habit to get into, especially yeah. in the, these sort of days where arguments seem to be binary. Yeah, that's and right. Which side are you on? Yeah, have which, you picked a side? Do you have to be on are a side? Are you a global warming denier or, yeah. you into, or do you love the planet? Yeah. You know, it's like neither. It's, it's, I haven't made that choice. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. But there's certain things. One is, you know, like these... Uh, this MK Ultra thing that we mentioned before, everything that I hear starts to confirm all of the concepts behind MK Ultra as a mind control technology, right? Now we know MK Ultra happened. MK Ultra is the name of the experiments, and I don't and know why I'm this, nodding, but <laughs> I, I don't know if you uh, how much you, you already know about this. You're aware of it, though, right? That these were these were basically Nazi experiments that were migrated across to yep. the to, to the US. Yeah, they brought all the Project scientists paperclip across. And, paperclip, that's right. After the Second World War was over. Yeah. And they were continued for X number of years and then apparently officially disbanded, right? So we know this happened. No one's denying that MKUltra happened. The thing that really pisses me off is when you say MKUltra and they go, oh, it's conspiracy theory. Well, it's not. No, it's a thing that was. It's real. It's a thing. Yeah. You, you can say it's not happening now or it's never been used for oh, I think anything, it's still happening now. Or the experiments were failures. Yeah, well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. But the thing that strikes me is, you know, we watched that clip about training yourself to use alter, alter egos, right? If that doesn't validate the idea that having alter egos is a function of the brain that can be either useful and, and used positively or exploited by mm. others, then I don't know what is. Like, I mean, everything I see, it just reinforces this idea of childhood trauma, dissociative identity disorder alter egos yep. and, you know, other forms of meltdown and all sorts of things. But hearing it now on the positive side makes a big difference. It's like, well, you, it's actually a tool you can use to train your own brain to do exceptional things. That's, that's fantastic. But how much do we, not, not maybe you and I, but how much do we want to hear? Because MK Ultra has a obviously very negative connotation and yep. the very idea because we live in a uh, two sides of the coin opinion culture how much do we want to hear as a society that can be used for good well i, I i'm very happy to hear it can I'm, be used well, for good i'm happy no but but you, mk ultra was was not the same thing as what he's suggesting to train your mind to do it without yeah, the trauma well, and stuff yeah. so the interesting thing about todd though is that he was a victim of childhood trauma mm. he just brings it up in the interview uh as part of his story and and something that he overcame, right? But if you're a conspiracy theorist, you know about MK Ultra and Monarch Mind Control and all of these conspiracy theories, you immediately trigger off that and go, but that's how he knows how to do this. Yeah. Because the trauma forced him to have to have alter personas to hide his pain and um to try and avoid and compartmentalize his his trauma. What was a coping mechanism at first became a yeah. tool. And then now he's advocating it as a tool, yeah. but he's not 
he doesn't seem to be aware that the childhood trauma is related to his ability to do this. He doesn't mention it in that term. And he doesn't say, oh, you know, give your kids some trauma in their childhood <laughs> and then beat they'll them, grow up, up and then you can teach them this. Yeah. But the ability to dissociate in the conspiracy theory is all part of, uh, it's, it's like, you know, when a hypnotist selects their, their subjects in, in a show and they're mm. trying to look for someone who's susceptible to hypnotism. It's the same thing, susceptible to dissociative yeah. identity disorder. And the more childhood trauma you have, and it can be as simple as your mother has a car accident when she's pregnant with you or something like that. But, you know, the more trauma you have as a child, the more you can dissociate, the more um, you, your brain develops that ability. I think in, again, in my case, maybe that's what happened. Yeah. I, I can't, maybe I'm confessing to something. I don't know. But whose childhood doesn't have some element of trauma in it? Oh, we all do, right? Like there's, there's so traumatic things happen. We're all capable of, 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 capable of it in some way. Yeah. I this is how so. well we learn to use it. The thing that gets me is, first of all, it's not an entirely negative thing, right? Childhood trauma isn't always an entirely negative thing. It's, it, it prepares you for the world. It toughens you up. Yeah. If you have no trauma at all when you're a child, you'll grow up to be someone who, if the world went a little bit savage, you would be, Maybe, you know. Yeah, you, you wouldn't last long. You wouldn't last, yeah. right? So it, 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 in a way, you actually need some, some kind of trauma or you know, some difficult stuff to go through. You need some struggle. It's like um, the reason um, caterpillars uh, go into a cocoon Part of the reason is when they try to rip out of the cocoon, they get the strength to be able to fly as a butterfly or whatever, right? So, and that is the symbol of monarch mind control, by the way. Monarch butterfly. butterfly. (laughs) It's exactly that. So the thing that, and I I don't want to undermine conspiracy theorists who want to say this is all evil and satanic and all of that kind of stuff, because that may be the case. It may be just as nasty as they say. But one of the big barriers to people accepting this idea that, you know, we have elites who sort of condition their own children in this way that use childhood trauma to try and get their children to become more like them and a little bit psychopathic and carry on the family line. The reason people won't accept it is because they go, well, a parent would never do that to their child. But what if it's not thought of as childhood trauma? What if it's thought of in the way that this guy's talking about it as kind of a tool to help your children develop in the same way that like maybe there, there might be um, you know, a, a Maori tribe or something who give their children tattoos as a way of uh, toughening them up, you know, like ritualistically making them become men, you know, like a, you hear of those types of tribal traditions all the time. Yeah. Why or, is it um, different from that? I think a, a, another example was the Spartans, I think, that would just basically savagely, you know, train their children to be warriors. Exactly. Uh uh, who were the who were the who were the race that used to leave their kids out on hillsides? It might have been the Spartans. It might have been someone else. But history is you can't, you can't do that by the, giving them ice cream, right? No, well, you, if you give, <laughs> I think if you give them enough ice cream, you could probably uh, yeah, that would be trouble. Introduce them to diabetes, and that's a, <laughs> it's an obstacle. See, we all need boundaries to sort of overcome in mm. some way or another. Who well speaking? Oh, I can't believe I'm about to use this phrase. Speaking as a parent, oh, God, I hate myself already. Oh no, he's speaking as a parent. Everyone, we all, <laughs> yeah. So I'm a parent, so my experiences are more valid than yours, and I don't yeah, know why I affected that voice. I have no children, so you can I'm ignore a, everything I say. Yes, you're. I'm. You're just entitled because you're a. You, why am I seeing that voice? <laughs> it's annoying. That's how parents they, sound. They, they sound like gay men when they. <laughs> When they get overly uh, preachy, yes, they they do. I, <laughs> yeah. I can say that because I'm. We all subject our kids to trauma of some. Bl- 
Well, spanking used well, to be quite common. It's not even it's, legal I mean, anymore, I, I think. Well, but, it's, I don't have, well, I wouldn't do it anyway, but... Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, have, I know people who still advocate for spanking. Yeah, though. look, it's fine, but I, I mean, I don't do it because we made the choice not to do it. Yeah, I think it's a shortcut to a genuinely... I mean, you, it, ideally, you would have a child understand why what they've done wrong and why, and you don't really need to spank. I mean, there, there are certain instances in which you need to admizer, administer a form of mild physical violence, like if they're about to stick a fork in a light. Restraint, yeah, to stop yeah. them from hurting someone That's else. That's mild physical something. violence, not yeah. beating your kids around the feet with a screwdriver. Yeah, not whacking them with a belt or something. No, like that, no. That, they're obviously very different things, but you can't tell these single people sometimes. <laughs> so, okay. The point is, in some way or another, even without meaning to, as a parent, you inflict some sort of trauma. And that's a horrible thing to say when I say it. Mm. We don't mean it, but we have to mold children to be respectful and respectable human beings. So we have to, it's called discipline. Mm. And it's not beating your kid with, a, again, a screwdriver or a, a wooden spoon or whatever. And I grew up in a in an age where that was still a thing. Mm. Physical, uh, you know, corporal punishment was a thing that I was subjected to. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that traumatized me, and I'm not saying that broke up my psyche into different components. And now I do stupid voices. I don't think it's quite report. that simple. It's not, but it may have no, made you yeah, may have enhanced your ability to do that. Yeah, in some way, hmm. possibly. Okay, it's look. There's been many other trauma that. Uh, that have probably shaped who I am and why I do the way things, the way I do it. And you as well. Mm. And my problem is I don't understand what my traumas are. Like my childhood traumas. I have no real memory of my well, childhood. If you were subjected to a trauma, your brain, as I think we said before, it would have excised it. I know some, I know some, I know one uh, was me falling out of a tree when I was younger because that's a form uh, of trauma. I wrote it into a short story and, and, I remember it being really significant, that feeling of falling out of the tree. You fell out of a tree bad. and now you, uh, you do videos on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> hang on. Correlation is not quite causation, yeah. but it's a thing. No, but and they're, it's, they're related in some integral. way. It's, you know, everything an, that happened yeah. before has to be related to yeah. what I'm doing now. Um, and the other thing I remember was a kid, we were having a, like a mud fight, you know, like just throwing mud at each other in the summer. Oh, I was hoping that wasn't a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was a real... Not mud wrestling. Oh, <laughs> oh, now I had that picture in my head. Oh, we man. just decided, you know, I was, was quite young at the time. I was, you know, uh, maybe 10 or something. Anyway, this kid, uh, instead of throwing mud, threw a brick at my head and uh, it split open. Ooh. There was a lot of blood oh, like, dripping all down me. And oh. that was really traumatic. I remember oh, that yeah. thing really stressful. But the thing that uh, in my research and my, my thoughts about this, I've been thinking about it for many years. Um, the thing that I've come to is the most likely thing I reckon is circumcision. I was circumcised. I was probably one of the last kids in Australia that was ever circumcised as well. Cause it was at what age phasing out uh, as a baby, I guess. Yeah. Well, well, okay. At the risk of oversharing same here. Yeah. But there are some cultures that, that wait a bit longer to do it. They right. wait till like, you know, two, three, four, yeah. you know, toddler age. And that I don't love. Um, that's why I didn't, uh, well, you I didn't have to my... do it as a baby than than no 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 that's one. not what I'm saying I'm saying there are well it surely would be less traumatic when you're say three days old well in my research into I mean I don't this, remember I, I came up with this idea quite um, independently without uh, without anyone suggesting it right I just was searching for trauma in my childhood and went 
circumcision would actually be really traumatic. It would have to be. Oh, yeah, of course. And I started looking it up, and lo and behold, there's a lot of research into it, and it does cause trauma and dissociation and all that stuff. There's quite a lot of scientific backing to the idea. But one of the videos I found was a video by Stefan Molyneux, and it was a big uh, one-hour presentation about um, how circumcision is basically child abuse. And he's got two versions of the video. One is sort of like the the family, not family friendly even, but, yeah. but, but the, the softer version More of it. Palatable. And then he's got a hardcore one where he actually has footage of a circumcision. Uh, well, now you, you know, you say it would be less traumatizing if you're a baby. Well, I dare you to even maybe, think about maybe watching not. that okay, well, see, I had to turn it off. I was like, yeah, that, well, that's the worst was thing yours, that's ever happened to that baby. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll throw this back at you. Was yours cultural or was it? I don't really know, to be honest. Um, I think in the Stefan Molyneux video, the thing that he says is actually the genuine reason why people do it is they want the kid to look like the dad, basically. So it's it's a lineage thing. It's just, hey, I like I like I like X Y Z's penis. Let's make the baby look the <laughs> yeah, same. Well, see, that's that's where I bucked the trend and broke the chain because I didn't have we didn't have our son. Oh, I wouldn't either. Yeah, I wouldn't not after it. watching all that. Well, you know those videos. Just regardless, I don't. It's an anti. Well. Okay, here we go. My, let's get off the fence, Adam. I don't see the need for it. No. Besides a cultural thing. Well, which, it used to be hygiene. I don't think that was I ever even a good argument. I never accept that argument ever. And there's obviously the religious side to it. You know what I mean? Well, mine was. It's a, a Catholic tradition. So well, it's, it's, it's uh, also, Islamic as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's everything, isn't it? It's Jewish as well. The, the, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the bris or whatever they call yes. it. So um, I think they eat theirs though. No, that, I'm, just, well, I'm just kidding. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> uh, anyone of a Hebraic persuasion may uh, direct their complaints to. <laughs> right. Just fry them up. Fry I up think, the foreskins. I think when my parents had it done to me, it was just, I don't think that they probably would have been, it would have been cultural pressure. But yeah, I felt obviously no cultural pressure to have my son circumcised and I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I, there's, there's no real reason. I, no. I don't, whether it's hygiene or appearance or anything. It's not, it's just not something I would have done. Mm. Also, because oh, I'm squeamish. Appearance-wise, I think I'm biased towards the look of a circumcised penis, having having one myself. But yeah, because yeah, I, I love my cock. <laughs> <laughs> mine's the best, the best one. Well, has to be. It's Well, mine's certainly not. So. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I have that bias, but I certainly not enough to actually you know, put a, a child through that at this point and, and not to criticize my parents. Cause I think it was a different time and no, it was, the decision was a different decision. And Stefan Molyneux hadn't made his video yet. So they, <laughs> they didn't have the opportunity to watch that. I don't think, you know, YouTube didn't even exist. So, but um, yeah, that, that's the thing that I think it's a mild thing. And when I was speaking to um, Doug uh, about childhood trauma and stuff, and I'm pretty sure it's in the podcast that I did with Doug. Uh, he said that just, just being ignored by your father is a childhood trauma enough to cause forms of dissociation later in life. So not specifically that, but a thing like that, like a really, it can be a really subtle thing. It doesn't need to be being hit with a belt. No. And in fact, emotional trauma can be more impactful than physical trauma in, in a lot of ways. You know, if you're completely dependent on your parents and you just want their love and adoration and you don't get it at the right moment, that can be quite, Oh, it's critical quite Absolutely. traumatic depending on how old you are and all that kind of stuff at the risk of being a little bit glib silence is violence mm, it can be that's and, right and i can't say i was really ignored by my parents or you know uh my uncle molested me or anything like that so i mean i don't think i was in my case and i hate talking about myself sometimes but in my case 
I don't think any trauma I was subjected to growing up is particularly uh, worse than any other average kid growing up where I grew up and in the situation I grew up in. So, mm. I mean, you know, apart from being in, say, the odd car accident or getting bullied at school, we all have something like that. Mm. Why do creative types like you and I find a way to easily, use, you know, do something with it mm. or cope with it or use it as a catharsis? I reckon a lot of people did this, but I've just not had the conversation with a lot of people. Mm. Did you used to make fake radio shows when you were a kid? Uh I made books and book and tapes. Like that counts. Yeah, and things like that. I recorded my voice and, a lot on And tape. why do you think that was? Uh, uh at the time I just thought it was funny and something fun to do. But but I actually um I have old VHS tapes of me making uh, Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> movies and things like that. Some of which, you know, they're, they're not bad. I mean, you know, there's a couple of things in there. I go, wow, that's pretty good cinematography and stuff, you know, probably by fluke. Um, but one of the things I no notice in when I watch back that footage, and it's been a while now, but a few years ago, I watched it all again, is I'm the most annoying kid because I'm always like um, trying to drive forward the creative project and trying to get people involved. I'm like, no, no, let's do another, let's do film it, it again. Do another take. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's really evident. And I thought, wow, I know I do it now. Now look at Kubrick. But I didn't realize I've been doing it since I was yeah. like five years old. Yeah, look at you, Kubrick, eh? Yeah. So whatever it is that creates that drive, I don't know what it is. It's a really strong one. And it's obviously been there since childhood. But something sparked it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's childhood trauma or anything like that. I, but I, I think, I don't know. I tend to think all kids have it at, at a certain well, point. In the video we watched just before, it's kids under a certain age because they're working on a different, and again, a different gear of the brain, a different mm, that's uh, right. fade away. I'll play that was. clip actually. Yeah, do that because it's, it's just watching that short clip really made a lot of sense to me and it wasn't overly sort of scientific or uh, threw around a lot of big complicated words, but it mm. did, from that simple explanation, I, I came up with the gears in a car mm. uh, analogy and say about that what you will, but it works. And you can apply it to, uh, you know, whatever analogy you want to, but yeah, it's, we, uh, neuroplasticity is the, is the, that's word. right. And that's, uh, that's a, that's an idea that comes up a lot in podcasts of like fictional podcasts I've listened to before. Yeah. The idea that, um, children under a certain age are capable because of using theta wave, mm. uh, of being less susceptible to, oh, I don't know, the effects of say time travel or something like that. Okay. Fanciful right. notion, but. Oh, I see what you mean. And so kids under say seven process instantly process information differently. And that, yeah. and as again, speaking as a parent, I've seen awesome. firsthand at, you know, evidence of that time. And again, cause kids are sponges. Cause I teach kids as well. Yeah. I'm a tutor. So I've seen that if you can explain something to a you know, four or six year old, you've instantly tapped into that. Mm. Okay. So. That actually makes a lot of sense. And then what happens after seven, you go roughly in this part of the world, at least you go start going to school and you get taught differently. You get taught, you, you know, if it's the Socratic method get or whatever, untaught. you get untaught. Mm. Okay. And you get taught to think a different way. You get, to you get taught that everything that you were doing before is childish Suddenly, now yeah. and we're going to make you into an and we, adult. And we have that theta wave sort of functionality sort of kicked out of that gear. Yeah. But the point of that video is. Um, he's saying now we're, you know, people who are trying to find spiritual enlightenment and, and all that kind of thing, they're trying to find this flow state and they go into isolation yeah. chambers and do meditation and yoga and all this kind of stuff. 
they're trying to find what they had what when we have natural when we're six years old yeah yeah and that it's actually a really powerful state of the mind to operate because the world beats it out of us i might i sort of wanted to say it's yeah i mean look i think i think age probably has something to do with it. like the you know you necessitate learning at a certain age if you didn't learn you would be you know a blob <laughs> sitting on a slab somewhere like so you have to like you know obviously age is a factor and i think it takes more effort to achieve those states as you get older however one of the things that i've found is once you kind of start to unlock the creative mind again you know i i had 10 years where i didn't do anything creative um i just drank basically. worst 10 years of your life or the best certainly frustrating because of that yeah there was a certain certain uh missing aspect to my life uh, in, during that time can you remember much of it <sighs> no but that was the alcohol there was a lot of drinking yeah but you weren't time. being fulfilled creatively i think it speaking as a uh one who has partaken of alcohol before to, you know, to extremes. Um, I don't think it's just the alcohol. No. You're the covering alcohol is a symptom, I think. You're, and you're inflicting your own trauma. So you're sort of, oh, wow, look at me, Pat Psychology 101, but oh, I'll just wipe the tail. But that time where you were also wiping out millions of brain cells and also not bringing any more into existence and exerting any sort of creativity. Yeah. That's not just the alcohol and it's not, you, it's a literally a double-edged sword. Mm. You're killing your brain cells and then you're not finding any avenues as well. Now mm. I've done that as well. We've all kind of, anyone creative as if they're doing it right, has at least spent a bit of time wiping themselves out a bit too. I know I have, but there's, there's got to be a recoup. You have to have a boundary to rebel against. Yeah. And you, sometimes you make your own boundaries, which is what I've found time and time again. And we all do it. So like, when you're getting ready to go on stage and perform, does Sasha Fierce, when does she show up? Usually when I hear the crowd, when I yeah. put on my stilettos, um, when, like, the, the moment right before when you're nervous and, and that other thing kind of takes over for you. Uh-huh. Then Sasha Fierce appears in my posture and, and the way I speak and everything is different. But no, is it, like, a process that happens, too? Like, you were talking about the high heels, like, once the lashes go on and Absolutely. the makeup and all that stuff. It's kind of like when I do a movie, becoming the character, once you put on the wig and once yeah. you put on the clothes, you walk different. Yeah. It's, it's kind of this character that I've, I've created over the years. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how is Sasha Fierce different than I am? Well, I know, you know, Definitely wearing that bodysuit. I can never walk out here and do yes. that. Whenever I have to perform, whenever I have to do choreography or something that's difficult, and I, it's no different from anyone else. I feel like we all kind of have that, that thing yeah. that takes over. when it's so I think the reason that whole conspiracy theory uh, intrigues me so much is because it's related. It just keeps getting pulled back and being related to this. So, you know, this in these videos, he even uses... Uh, Beyonce Knowles as an example. The conspiracy use, uh, theorists use the same example. They use Beyonce and Sasha Fierce as an example, or Nicki Minaj and um, whatever her face is. Uh, Roman, uh, I, whatever. Uh, what's Zelensky. <laughs> no, that's is. not. Is it Zelensky? Yeah, it is. It's Zelensky. Really? Yeah. Like Polanski, but Zelensky. Well, that, that was the connection I was about to make. Yeah. Well, uh, that's another but weird one, one has connection. one has talent. But anyway. Mm. <laughs> and went to jail for went to having jail sex for, with yeah. a 14 year old. Yeah. Uh, let's skip past that. Um, there's, I watched there's... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yesterday. He was in it. I've not seen it. Yeah. It's good. I'm not, I'm not like really it. a cinephile, so. It... No, no, it's, it's really good. Yeah, it's um, two, <laughs> what a, two and what a half horrible hours choice of words. It goes like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be a good movie. I should. A cinephile. I should check Why, it Because it rhymes with pedophile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> horrible accidental choice of words. Really was. Um, there's other. Could you really call like Eminem and Slim Shady? Is that? 
Well, I mean, he used, he actually mentions rappers, and that's probably one of the most prominent ones. I think. I mean, that's a you could argue that it is. It's a pretty pat example of an alter ego, though. Yeah, but it's also a hip hop convention in a lot of ways. You know, well, there's a rap character. Yeah, so. a, well, I think, I think, and I I'm not an expert on this, but I think rap generally is sort of um, no matter what you think of the art form, well, I don't mind it. I think a lot of it is uh, character driven, is it mm. not? Yeah, from, it is. from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, gangster rap is. And story-driven I mean, as well. That's why yeah, I Yeah, I mean, it. gangster rap is littered with, you know, examples of, you know, popping caps in bitches or whatever. Like, God, how, <laughs> how do I sound? They're not shooting the women. They're slapping the well, women sh- and shooting each they're other. They're shooting the women <laughs> no, metaphorically, the women. maybe. Oh, yeah, I don't maybe. know. Okay. My, my, what is it? <laughs> There's bitches. obviously a lot of hype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I just realised how I popping the caps in the bitches. I couldn't <laughs> have sounded the more. arse. <laughs> this animal white if I tried. No, but it's uh, wear it like a badge. <laughs> I'm going to own it. Popping caps in bitches. <laughs> you know what I meant. Yes, but it's sort of. It's obviously there's a lot of hyperbole and exaggeration. I mean, how many of them really live that lifestyle? Probably not many. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you hear jokes all the time. Like, Fifty Cent was shot eleven times. But was he actually? The, the police report says three times or something. It's like. He's still shot. He just exaggerated. I think they're all just exaggerated. Traumatic experience, no matter what. I yeah. mean, my favorite, one of my favorite uh, groups of the raps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaning into it now, Harvey. I really Very nice. Look, yeah. I really, I, I don't not enjoy rap. I'm yeah. sounding like someone who doesn't, but I actually do. I, yeah, well, I do. One of my favorite albums is The Predator by Ice Cube. Okay. So, wow, look at me with my street cred. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> Is that really all? I suppose it's alter ego. It's character driven. It's, yeah. it's a pantomime, I guess, was one way of looking at it. Yeah, I think it is. And, you know, I. I Where's the dealer? He's behind you. Yeah, that's right. It's a Punch and Judy concert, <laughs> right? Are you happy to hear that this idea is used as a positive tool? Absolutely. Because, again, I keep throwing out the phrase coping mechanism, but it can be so much more. It can be mm. a path to creating something. That's and, right. And it has been for us. For us, you know, to whatever varying degree of success and whether it's making the world a better place or whether I'm just expressing a point of view or whether I'm escaping or whatever it is, it depends on the, obviously the context. Mm. It's just away from getting away from the mundanity of taking shit. Mm. And that's not so bad because mm. taking a shit mundane. Yeah. Why not make some art while you're cracking, you know, laying some cable as it were. <laughs> Yes, Adam just had to go to the uh, to use the facilities for a moment. I've just sort of stepped in and I've uh, taken his place. It's interesting so, watching you do the voice because I don't get to you see to that act. usually. You have to. No, you don't. It's not just that, though. The thing that really, when I started doing um, Orville for Kalen, it was the first time I'd ever done any kind of sort of voice work. I thought, I'll take this seriously. I'll do some research, work out how they do it. And the piece of advice that really worked for me as far as voices go is you need to pick a spot in your head that you do the voice from. So it can be low in your throat or your chest. It can be high up on the roof of your mouth. It's somewhere in your skull. And you pick that place and that dictates the tone of the voice and and the whole character. The musical musical equivalent is head singing. Just not singing from here, just singing from the head. Yeah, right. Uh, And that's kind of what I'm doing. Again, I'm not an expert. But I could see you changing the shape of your mouth. And I actually had to make a focal point as well. I actually had to focus on that, uh, that... monitor over there i think all voice artists do these things and it's it's, the really good ones do yeah they're amazing yeah and it's analogous to what you were saying before about you can only be in one point of focus at a time and i think when you're living 
you know, your, your consciousness, that's a point in your head as well. You sort of pick a point in your brain to live if you're going to be in the intellectual alpha wave yeah. kind of area, which is, I think, where the, the average person lives. Although there might be some living in the amygdala and just, yeah. you know, like I was for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's what this idea of awakening is or this idea of heightened consciousness or whatever. It's where you choose to live in your brain, you know, or which part of your brain you make active, I guess, is more what you're physically doing, determines what, what you put out into the world. Yeah. You know, if you're living in the amygdala, you're putting out fear and <laughs> violence yeah. and primal stuff. Yeah. And, and if you're... If you're living in the alpha waves, you're putting out logic and reason and this must be true and everything's black and white. And maybe the goal is just to keep somehow evolving that to a point where we're just existing kind of, you know, like. And how do, like, creating, because maybe. like most people, we, we go from, from state to state and as, as an artist trying to just get to that again, flow state's the best term for it, but mm. to try and just access that all the time. In my case, I've only, I can really only think of maybe not even a handful of instances where I've actually truly felt that, I don't want to say flow state again, but I've actually felt like I'm in the zone. Maybe it's age, mm. maybe it's social conditioning, maybe it's the fact that I'm tired all the time. Mm. And it seems to be harder to get back to that status or that open free state where I'm just, I'm a deer, I'm a metaphorical deer running across a plane. Mm. All uh, right, let's, let's stop yeah, recording. Let's, let's, oh, let's wind it up. Oh, I'll just yeah, say uh, thanks, Adam, for, for joining us. You know, I don't know who us is. It's just me. Am I Adam? Yeah. Okay, well, I, I think so. Still. In keeping with the theme of this, of this episode, I'm not sure. I, I... Thanks, Gerald, for joining us. <laughs> and uh, I hope you come back soon. Oh, you're best welcome, young man. And um, next time, maybe a little, little stronger of coffee. And it wouldn't kill I'll you to put... I'll sweeten it up for you. Wouldn't kill you to bring some ice vovos as well. <laughs> All right. I could use Ice-Vovers. a bit of biscuits. Nice uh, biscuit maybe, at my maybe age. Lamingtons. No, no, ice vovos. Definitely ice vovos. Okay. Very. They're, they're I don't. The pink I, ones, right? I don't. Yeah. You've not seen um, ice vovos, young man. You can't get them anymore, but I'll. I'll no. Be like, I'll make some. I don't believe you. I've seen them down the local um, GJ Coles. And 